Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast, where we chat about great books with awesome authors, and you, our listeners, get to ask the questions. I'm Tavia Kowalchuk, co-host of the Book Club Girl podcast, and today we're talking about a book that is set on a few Caribbean islands. It's also historical fiction. And this made me think of another book set in the Caribbean that's on the island of Barbados that we discussed with the author on last season's podcast. It's Summer Country by Lauren Willig. And I'll never forget that conversation because there's actually a pandemic sweeping the Barbados in this book and when we were when we interviewed Lauren we were in the middle of the covid pandemic so it was like a very strong parallel completely unintentional you know when Lauren was writing the book but yeah Oh my goodness, that is so timely. I'm Bianca Flores, Tavia's co-host, and I didn't realize that that book had a pandemic theme set in it. Wow, that's well, it has that's a pandemic shocking section. It's not like the theme section. But yes, yeah, <laughs> pandemic section. Um, wow, I that has to be put on my reading list now. The book that got me or that came to mind when I was reading this one was Patsy by Nicole Dennis Ben. Um, it's partly set in Jamaica, and I have not read it. It is also on my very long to read list. Um, but I, I've heard so many amazing things, Tavi, about this book. It was I'm pretty sure the read with Jenna pick at the time. And yeah, there was just so much buzz surrounding it. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard of it. I don't know how I missed it if it was a Jenna pick because I watched, I paid attention <laughs> to all that stuff. On today's show, we are discussing Island Queen, which is a historical novel based on the true story, the life of Dorothy Dahl Kerwan Thomas. It's a rags to riches story from slavery to extreme wealth as a black woman in the late 1800s Caribbean. And later in the show, we'll be joined by award-winning author, Vanessa Riley. So before we get into our discussion of Island Queen, I also wanted to remind everybody about our wrap-up party that will stream online on Wednesday, June 8th at 8 p.m. I am so excited for this wrap-up party. You can find a link and more information in our show notes, and we look forward to having all of our book club girls and guys there. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I First of all, I had so much fun at last year's wrap-up event. It just, I loved yeah. hanging out with all those authors and and just, you know, switching from podcast to video was so much fun. So we'll be joined by a bunch of authors, including Kirsten Chen, whose third book, Counterfeit, is coming out this June, and Anne Ma, who's who wrote The Lost Vintage, which some of you may have read, and her new oh, novel yes. she's going to talk about is coming out in the fall. It's called Jacqueline in Paris, and it's about... Jacqueline Onassis and when she was in Paris. So I think it's going to be really a really Sounds interesting so conversation, even if those were the only authors that are going right. to be there and they're not. We're going <laughs> to have four more. So register for free. It's a free event. You just have to sign up to get the link or you can get a special $45 VIP ticket, which comes with a Ooh. big old box of book club girl swag, some books and some early galleys. So that Ooh. is truly, truly a good value. I love me some swag, Tavia. <laughs> me too. I got my got my got my water bottle right here. I got my sticker that says "Reads Well with Others." I have my coaster that says "My Wine Club Has a Book Problem." <laughs> I love it. Book Club Girl Swag. Yes, love it. <laughs> All right, and now we present to you Island Queen, abridged. Born a slave. Dorothy Dolly Kerwan's father was her white landowner. 
Dolly spent her childhood in defiance of her abusive older brother, the white free son of her biological dad. She also took every opportunity to ask her dad to put his name on her birth certificate so she would one day have the chance to buy her own freedom. Dolly spent her days as a huckster selling blankets in the local market, laying the groundwork towards becoming a business mogul. Later, when Dolly's sister Kitty is subjected to horrific abuse from Dolly's older brother, they escape to Demerara for a better life. There, she starts a whirlwind romance with her friend, John Cosavelt Sells, who takes advantage of her ignorance and fathers her even more children. By this point, she has four children. Eventually, her father and brother visit Demerara, bringing Dolly's mom and daughter, allowing Dolly to purchase their manumission. Now that she's free, Dolly's business really starts to take off. Her romantic nature and beautiful appearance lead her into love stories with other white men, a lawyer and merchant John Thomas, and Prince William, an admiral in her Royal Navy. Prince William takes Dolly on his ship for her first visit to London, which greatly informs her approach to doing business in the islands. Upon her return, her empire grows across multiple islands with her elder children running various arms of the company. Ultimately, Dorothy Kerwan Thomas and her force of character lead her into some of the most powerful halls of government in England to lobby for the interests of free black business owners on the islands to repeal unfair taxation. Her legacy is deep and wide, from 10 children plus grandchildren, all of them educated in the UK, to business partners, friends, and lovers. Dolly is an epic woman. Bianca, what did you think of Island Queen? Oh, Tavia, I am so impressed with this book. What Vanessa has done here is just masterful. The writing is so gorgeous and so immersive. Um, I also just really loved all the fashion descriptions as well as like the, the little details she put here and there, like the sweet, the smell of the sweet mangoes. That just made me think about like my upbringing in Honolulu. So I think that just like rang really true to me. Um, I just, I could not put this one down. <laughs> So I agree with everything you said. I, I One thing I noticed was she would always remark on the type of fabric that her family was wearing. And yeah. there was a definite, there, there was a difference in the fabric that they made the slaves clothes with versus the fabric mm-hmm. that free people wore. And she was very, very sensitive and attuned to that. And it was a point of pride that her children did not wear slave fabric clothes. Absolutely, absolutely. I loved how much hats played a role in this book, Tavia. In the beginning, we see Dolly, you know, she just wants a hat so badly. And then later on in the book, she is owning the finest hats in town. I just felt it was such a great symbol of her success. I mean, it's on the cover. Like this amazing yep. hat is on the cover. And this is goes back oh, to the whole cover. fabric thing. Like slaves didn't wear hats. They were maybe mm-hmm. a kerchief. So the fact that she could go and buy a bonnet and wear a hat was was a symbol of her freedom. Exactly. So Dolly is the energy of this book. She's the main character. She oh, is, you know, so well put. She is just larger than life. She's such devotion to her family. She's got this fiery spirit. She's so passionate and romantic. You know, I I felt like Every other chapter, she was like, no, actually, you know what? Every chapter, she was tumbling into bed with a lover. Like, and she had many lovers. And she was unapologetic about that. You know, we sort of have these little flashbacks when she's talking to, like, the the, the headmistress of a private school in London. And um, 
and and someone's like confronts her with these rumors of these men that she slept with and she's like basically like yeah so what are you gonna do about it <laughs> i love it yeah yeah you're totally right she is 100 one of the best people i think i've ever seen depicted in a novel mm-hmm. um and you know just going back to the whole you know the men part of in this book the men pale so much in comparison to dolly she is like you were saying so fiery so fierce so smart and savvy and they just like they're just like fine or awful most of the time awful <laughs> so she again i mean even regardless of that she's incredible um and yeah all the men you know they, they see that though like they're drawn to her like beast to honey and you know she's just way better than them yeah i think most of the men see her strength and want to possess it or control yeah. it but her, the last man that she 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 chooses john thomas um you know he he defers to her like he loves her strength he 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 always says like i'm just following you around like listen you know do whatever you want but it's really like you're running the show as it should be as it should be um and you know for a woman who had such massive financial success and such and you know she's such a formidable businesswoman she had so much sorrow in her life forget the fact that she came from slavery and all the trauma that that just you know like sort of etched into her soul she bore 10 children and she suffered from postpartum depression every single time she gave birth which is and she i mean astounding like there was no birth control you know she was just gonna have more kids and such a strength of character to push through that and then you know also, she had at least two children who died young, who died while she was mm-hmm. still alive. One of one of her sons died, I think he was maybe, what, 10, 13, like very young. And then her other right. son died in his 20s. He had built up this plantation and he got an infectious so disease and kicked the bucket. So awful. I can't even, having more than two children sounds horrific to me. Having any children uh. almost sounds horrific to me. So the idea that she was able to have, you know, this many and that she, you know, she did it so well. She, you know, the fact, it just astounds me. It's, she it's was incredible. a fierce mama. Fierce, super yep. fierce mama. Let's toast to that. Absolutely. Toasting to the fierce mama. And, <laughs> Toasting you know, to the fierce mama. Go, Dolly. May you live in in greater glory in history than you have had up until this point. We love hearing from our listeners. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this episode. And you can also participate in conversations about great books in the lively comment section of our Instagram feed at Book Club Girl. Today, we're joined by Vanessa Riley, whose book Island Queen is out now. Vanessa, hello. Welcome to the Book Club Girl podcast. We are so thrilled to have you here. Bianca, Tavia, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, so excited. We're going to have right. fun. So <laughs> Island Queen was, of course, an amazing read. And we have listeners who are such major fans of yours, Vanessa. So first up, we want to ask you a few questions from them. First, we have Sharon, who wants to know, how did you first discover Dorothy's story? Dorothy's story was a complete accident. So I tell all my writer friends, when you're doing research for something totally different and you find something amazing, screen capture it, video record it, do whatever you have to do. You'll never find it again. (laughs) Um, So I was doing research. I'm looking for something and I stumbled upon a cartoon 
a political cartoon um, by a man named Gilroy. Um, and a little, just a little background on Gilroy. Gilroy is an ist. He's a misogynist. He's a sexist. So his mm. his his there's always a charge to his cartoons. Um, he doesn't like women exactly. At least that's my interpretation. <laughs> uh, because he loves to make us the joke of his of any sketch that he does. And of course, when he gets a black woman, he just goes to town in every kind of you know oddity you can think of. He throws it in there. But I come across the sketch and the woman, it's an intimate picture. You've got Prince William Henry, the future King William IV, lovingly embracing a black woman and she's drawn beautifully. So she's not the joke. She's the tattle. This is what your prince is doing in the West Indies. So I had a suspicion, one, that this was a true story. Two, that if I followed the rich man, I would find him. And that's how I found Dorothy. Wow. I love the idea that this was an accident. And I feel like Total some of the best stories <laughs> through that, right? Well, and you also talk about that comic in the book. Like it shows up, it's described. I think that's so cool. Mm -hmm. So keeping sort of in this vein of the history piece of this book, Krista, one of our listeners, wants to know and I think this is actually a very interesting question given probably all of the descendants of Doll that there are now in the world. Were you able to do any interviews with her relatives? Yes. Um, <gasps> and this is another fluke, right? I had dr I had dressed up as Dorothy for an RWA function. Uh, the, it was the Beaumont chapter. And so I dressed up as Dorothy. And her great-great-great-great-great-grandson, who's in Japan, saw the image on Facebook. And he's like, that's my grandmother. <laughs> oh, my, my goodness. And so we started chatting back and forth. Uh, Chris Rathbone is his name. He, he connected me with a professor in Australia who'd done some uh, some of the Caribbean research originally on Dorothy and some of her counterparts. And so he was one of the first books I signed and sent off to Japan. That is incredible. I thought for sure you were going to say no. I, I, I can't believe me too. that. I was like, no, there's no way. Oh, my God. I am shocked. This is one of the, it's the oddities. I love it. I love it when a plan comes together that I hadn't planned. Well, you have God. to share that picture of us dressed up as Dorothy. Yes, yes. please do. We'll link to it in our show notes or something. <laughs> I, will. I, will. I love that. So let's get into the juice. Dolly is an extremely passionate woman who had at least three big loves <laughs> in her life. Cells, I'm counting cells, I'm counting yes. Thomas, and I'm counting Prince William. Yes. It just seems to me, so I just, this was like one of these marvelous contradictions of her personality. She's so disciplined and ambitious in her business life, right? She's like down to every detail. She's fierce, focused. But in her personal life, in these love relationships, she was ruled by emotion and sort of like physical desire. What and, and I'm so curious, like, was this a choice you made when building her character or were there facts from her history that that you realized this must have been part of who she was? Um, it goes back to all those kids, right? <laughs> um, you know, she has 10 children and it's like, OK, the first two were not of consent. We, we get right. that. Mm -hmm. But that's still eight more. Um, how do you weave a woman who's trying to build these businesses together, you know, I, I can't see her just wanting a piece, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so to me, it's got to be more, it's, a man has to be coming for her, has to be saying, you know, that he wants in on her world. And 
every little girl, I personally believe, and this is part of my story, when your father is absent from the home, there's this thing in your head where you want to be loved. You want that undying love that you never actually got. And you're still looking for it in every man that shows up in your life. And so I I painted that into Dorothy because of just knowing her story. And then once again, to explain, you know, after some point, with all those children, you, you know, you would stop. Right? <laughs> you would figure out ways <laughs> to stop. But I believe that many of them were of love, that she loved these men and or, or felt felt love at the time and conception happened. And so it was just weaving that piece of the story for her. Well, I love that. And I, I do really love the way that you wrote about the, you know, how she would try to resist. She, she did what she did. Her intention was to resist. And then eventually they would wear her down. She would be like, yes, okay, I surrender. Yes, I want you. Okay, let's She's do like, this. She's like, yes, I want this too. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, the description of Dorothy and the way these men were just, she just had that presence, like they wouldn't let her alone. Yes. And so, you know, I could see, I saw that, the wearing her down, the courting her, the going after her because they want piece of that light that's in her. And and so just wear her down. So I'm glad that conveyed. That, that's yeah, what I felt. I, yeah, we were talking about that earlier, how they are, they go to her like bees to honey. They just like, they want, but they also kind of want to possess that power. That's what Tavi was saying earlier. And it's just, it's irresistible. <laughs> You're listening to the Book Club Girl podcast, where our guest this week is Vanessa Riley, whose book Island Queen is out now. You can read more about Vanessa's books at bookclubgirl.com. And coming up on the Book Club Girl podcast, we ask Vanessa about her affinity literary character. Stick around. This episode of the Book Club Girl podcast is brought to you by Thoughts from a Page, a podcast by Cindy Burnett. Hey, everybody. This is Cindy Burnett, and I am the host of the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Several times a week, I interview authors about their latest works. We chat about their covers, their titles, sometimes what inspired them, and always what makes their book stand out. I hope you'll check out my podcast. It can be found on all of the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Thanks so much. Welcome back to the show. Each week, we bring you a fascinating new conversation with an author who's written a book we think is a great choice for book clubs to read together. Today, award-winning author Vanessa Riley is here with us answering questions about her historical fiction novel, Island Queen. So to switch things up a bit, Vanessa, I want to talk to you about legacy. So towards the end of the book, Legacy, it becomes this major theme and worry in Dolly's life. Um, One of my favorite lines in the book actually dives into this. Dolly asks, what was the use of building a legacy if the ones who deserve the fruit never live long enough for the harvest? I just, I love that line. Can you talk a bit about what legacy means to Dolly? Dolly lived literally three lifetimes. The average black person lived only like 33 years. And so at the point in the book, she's in her 60s. She's, you know, every day is a gift. Every day is a promise. And she's beginning to outlive her children. To me, she was always this fighter, fighting for their, fighting for her freedom, fighting for their freedom. And now she's done all these things. She's made these sacrifices. 
and she's losing the kids that she was trying to save these for. So, so legacy becomes everything. You know, there's there's that that trip which is true where she took eighteen grandkids from Demerara wow. on a boat. We can't go to Walmart with one in the back seat. She goes, oh my God. eighteen from Demerara all the way up to, to Glasgow, Scotland, because. She's showing her grandkids the world that's been opened up because she has this access to money. Mm-hmm. So legacy is just so important and, and what sh- she wants her li- kids to live forever uh, and, and to enjoy the fruits and yet still be free. Because at that time, you could, you know, if, if, if somebody ran into problems in their business, they could lose their business. They could go to debtor's prison. But if you were black, you could possibly be re-enslaved. Mm-hmm. And so there's right. that thing always in her mind. And I, I, I see, I felt that, and, and that's what legacy means. So switching gears to, to a couple more serious parts of the book. In the novel, Dolly says to herself and says sometimes to her children how she she won't look to the left. And that's where, when she used to work in the sick house, that's where the worst victims of slavery's violence would be, would be and would be taken care of was on the left. And, and it seems like it's a motif for Dolly. And it's and it's it seems to me to be the one area where as strong and as fierce as she is, she can't truly triumph over the system because unfortunately she eventually comes to own slaves herself. And I feel like we would not be having a book club discussion with the author if we did not talk about this part of the book. And she admits herself in the book that she recognizes the the inherent sort of hypocrisy or or conflict within that. And and just as the author of this character, I, I would just love to hear your thoughts about how how Dolly, in your mind, lives with this inconvenient truth. It was it was a struggle, but but looking at her, I know that uh, in Demerara, when I looked at the different cases, particularly of her son-in-law, D.P. Simons, who was um, actually um, persecuted because of his faith, the owners, uh, the other um, plantation owners would systematically drive you out of business if they didn't like you, if you weren't one of them. Um, black men that had plantations that had um, free free labor um, they ran them out of business. D.P. Simons, it's it's documented how he, you know, his loans were higher priced. The, the amounts that he was buying, they forced, basically, he, he becomes bankrupt. So Dorothy is looking at all of this and there's being pressure that why isn't she using uh, enslaved labor? You know, the, 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 the market for free labor is very tight and she understands that if she keeps... Um, adhering to her principles, uh, she's not going to be able to build everything she's going to build, as well as this additional pressure. And and once again, if you are black, not only could you end up in debtor's prison, you could be re-enslaved. So I think for me, that was the magic bell of, I'm going to participate so that I have a seat at a table and I, I can do these things. But then I look at the rest of the history and she keeps owning more people than she has any land for. She mm-hmm. and the other women. So I was like, okay, this is possibly what she was doing. She was buying them so other people couldn't buy them. Mm-hmm. And she was putting them on a path like she was put on a path of learning how to be your own business person. So learning a, a skill that you could go and actually um, make money for. Because once again, if you're black, 
and you run into debts, not only could you go to prison, you could be re-enslaved. And so the yeah. worst thing in the world is she had somebody and they were they became free. And then a couple of years later, they get in troubles with debts and being re-enslaved. So I think she had a master plan. I don't have any you know, full documentation, but looking at the amount of land she owned and the number of people in the end that she ended up purchasing. So every episode we ask an author, if you could be any character from a novel, who would you be? Okay, a, a toss up here, toss up here. So some of me wants to be Evangeline in okay. Chanel Clayton's uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Ooh. Uh, and some of me wants to be Dana, except I want to keep my arm in Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you want to be the first character? I, for, I forgot her name already, I'm sorry. Evangeline. Um, Evangeline. Evangeline, she's she's just very strong and it's in Cuba and it's it's she's fighting uh she, she's she's the most beautiful well she's the most beautiful girl in cuba <laughs> <laughs> which is saying a lot because cuban people are gorgeous are gorgeous people are gorgeous yeah. people she's just she's, she's very strong going against the soldiers you know just i love women who decide you know i don't care what's going to happen to me i am fighting the fight and so i just i just love that about her Oh, Vanessa, on that note, thank you so much for joining us today. It has really been so fun talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> this was really thank fun. You, this was great. Thank you, ladies. That was Vanessa Riley, whose book Island Queen is out now. To find out more about Vanessa Riley and her work, head to bookclubgirl.com slash podcast, where you can also find links to everything mentioned in this episode. Like what you heard? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and leave a review. Another way to help spread the word about the Book Club Girl podcast, tell a friend. It really helps others to find us. You'll hear from us again next week, where we'll be speaking with Bolu Babalola, author of the collection of love stories, myths, and folktales from around the world, Love in Color. If you want to read the book before its podcast drops, head over to hc.com and use promo code BOOKCLUBGIRL, all one word, for 25% off and free shipping for any book discussed on this podcast. That includes both seasons, you know. And we love hearing from our listeners. Email us at thegirls at bookclubgirl.com or post in the comments on our Instagram feed at bookclubgirl. You can also leave us a voicemail. Our number is 212-207-7336. Yes, we do listen to them. And your voicemail or email could very well end up being read on the show. Before we go, we'd like to thank Caroline Quash of The Hangar Studios who produced today's episode and Rosalia Ryan, our audio engineer and editor. Until next time, I'm Tavia. And I'm Bianca. Happy reading! The Boat, 1789, coast of Dominica. William returned to his cabin. In his hands, he waved documents. Sitting at his desk, I crossed my fingers. My heart pounded. Did the overseers finally give their blessing? He walked to me and hovered. I watched emotions color his eyes, waves of blue and midnight stirring until they were fully jet. Yes, Dorothy. They've granted me leave. I can go to my father. I hope I'll arrive in time. Don't go making this good news bad.
You all right? He dove into his trunk and pulled out a bottle. The calabash-shaped glass. Did it have more champagne? We'd had so much at his ball in the days that followed. Souris de Rhin Rosé? His face frowned, like I'd made his world go away. It's Rosé de Seigne. It's almost as good. It's different. Good but different, William? Putting the bottle on the desk, he planted in front of me, my lanky prince. His head bent. He kissed me. It was surprising and rushed. He was more enthusiastic than I, but he was a little younger than my 33 years. He didn't understand the meaning of slow and steady. To show him, I kissed him. His mouth had a pleasant feel. His arms were strong. They again became demanding. To make this good, he would need to be tamed. All these fast movements were for dancing in a crowd. We should toast, I said. Let me know what this good but different wine is. With a few tugs, the cork flew, bang! It hit the wall. His laughter was full and rich. He filled one glass and then another. The crystal shone as he handed it to me. We toast my orders, my father's health, and to you staying. He lifted his goblet, but then set it on the desk. Graceful creature, you've kept me entertained for three weeks. I've blathered. You smiled and said nothing of myself except of my business, nothing of my family or background. Though I felt William was different and his stories of gratitude and friendship with blacks, like the healer of Jamaica, Cuba Cornwallis, impressed me, I knew the limits of his world. Or maybe I'd come to understood how things shifted in importance with men. What is it that you want, Dorothy? What would make you the happiest? If I spoke up now and told him that I, a woman who'd been enslaved, wanted to build fine things, things that would last and show blacks could achieve everything, laughter would make the heat in his eyes leave. Or he'd frown with pity because his world didn't allow it. Mine barely did. We were equals at this moment, and I'd let nothing steal my peace. I rose fully in my power and put hands to his shoulders. I suppose I'm still figuring things out. This trip is exposing me to many new things. His brow rose as he captured my waist. Heaven help the world when you do decide. <laughs>